2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly
3: Podcast. Mesut Ozil is in here. Beautiful goal. Walcott! What a goal! It's been flicked in by Alexis Sanchez, a quality goal from the Gunners.
1: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday the 26th of September. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up over the course of the next few minutes, we'll be talking to wingers, past and present, in the form of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Anders Limpar. Max Jones is back with his monthly Around the Club feature. We're back at the chalkboard with Adrian Clark to build up to the big showdown with Burnley next weekend. As ever, we kick off with the Weekend Review. Having drawn three and lost six of their last nine Premier League games against Chelsea, Arsenal were desperate to put that terrible run against the Blues to bed and it took just 11 minutes for the Gunners to open the scoring.
3: Ivanovic looks to knock it back here. for Kael, Kael under pressure from Alexis. And Alexis is nicked the ball away from him. Can the Chileans score here? It's Alexis Sanchez into the corner. What a finish! Confidence from the Arsenal man! And it's the Gunners that draw first blood here in this London derby. KO with a mistake, Alexis Coolness personified to beat Courtois. It is Arsenal 1, Chelsea 0.
1: It got even better just three minutes later when another brilliant goal saw Arsenal double their lead.
3: Now it's with Santi Cazorla towards Mustafi and Mustafi will come forward inside right channel. For Arsenal. Now it's with Theo Walcott, steps away from Matic, plays it back towards Santi Cazorla. Cazorla looks here for Ozil, Ozil's short for Owobi. Owobi once again, great turn from Iwobi, looks here for Perry. looks to centre, oh, it's another yes. Theo Walcott! Oh, what a Unbelievable goal. start! Brilliant interplay from Arsenal and Theo Walcott scores for the sixth time! against Chelsea, it is Arsenal 2, Chelsea nil.
1: That was the first time that Theo Walcott had scored in consecutive Premier League games since May 2013, and the game was over as a contest before half-time, Mesut Ozil volleying home Alexis's cross.
3: Cleared away by Arsenal, great turn from Ozil, taken away from Kante, and look at Ozil powering on, he's two versus two, Alexis makes the move, this is Alexis, inside the box, looks to knock him back here, Ozil on the volley! combined it is Arsenal the lead by three goals to nil. Classic counter-attack. Two versus two. Alexis and Ozil combined. It dropped to us. He wasn't the cleanest of volleys. He took a big deflection into the turf, bounced up and then into the net off the post.
1: Arsenal's 3-0 victory as it finished inflicted Antonio Conte's heaviest league defeat since he was in charge of Siena in October 2010. Brilliant stuff from the Gunners. Time to hear from their goal scorer Walcott and man of the match Alex Iwobi. They had this to say on the overall performance.
4: I think it's been uh, quietly coming, actually. To be honest, we, we're quietly doing our business, and um, like I say, everyone's just working for each other now. Uh, we got some great individuals, but when you get those individuals to actually play as a team as well, everyone is focused, and uh, you know you could see that 11 men, were, you know, they wanted to win this more than the other team today, and uh, you know, thankfully we did that.
5: We are playing well, especially in training. We are working together very well. We're training very well, so we're just putting our training into, into matches, which is on show today. Um, yeah, we've started the season very well. We're mentally up for the game and that's the main thing. As long as we're mentally strong, we'll do well.
1: The win takes Arsen Wenger's men up to third place in the Premier League table, keeping them nicely in touch with early pace setters Manchester City. And it also sets the tone for the home Champions League clash against Basel this coming Wednesday. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is going to be hoping for a recall for that huge game. We'll hear from him next. The Ox has been talking to Arsenal media's Rob Kelly about his preparation and his start to the new season.
2: So, Alex, you've looked really sharp in pre season since the season started. Was there anything that you've done, particularly over the summer, to get yourself to this level? Did you do anything different than in previous years over the
5: summer or anything? Um, not really, no. Um, you know, I always try and prepare the best way I know how. Um, and I did that the same this year. Um, not sure what's been different i felt i felt good um, at the end of last season uh, before obviously i picked up the two injuries you know the the knee injury against barcelona i felt like i was i was coming into a bit of form at that at that time i was feeling strong and fit and quick and you know when in my position when you're a winger and you know you're a type of player that takes people on sometimes you just you just feel that you can go past anyone and no one can stop you if if you do what what you know you can do and you know when I when I go to take someone on, if I know if I get it right, it, it can be hard for people to stop me. So when you're feeling in that way and that way inclined and with that confidence, it does boost you a lot. And I was feeling that way uh, before I got injured against Barcelona, and then I nearly came back from that, and I was feeling good again. And then obviously in training to to then do another knee injury with a different ligament, that was that was tough to take. Um, but. As I said, at that time I felt I felt strong and I felt like I was onto something, and I felt confident. Um, and I've just tried to bring that into pre season um, and put you know injuries, try and put injuries behind behind me and just push on for, for the start of this season. Um, I felt good in pre season, yeah, I did. I felt I felt sharp. At the same time, you know, it's all about getting your fitness, and I think that's still still coming. You know, you don't get that until you play a good few ninety minutes, um, especially in, at the Premier League level as well. So I think there's more to come, but you know I was feeling good, and as you as you said there, did I do anything different? I don't think so. I did I did what I always try and do, which is prepare the best way I know how at the time.
2: You scored some pretty eye-catching goals in the in the preseason games. Are they the sort of thing? Was it just, that just the level of confidence you were feeling to go for those things, or is it is it any different because it's a preseason game you might not try in the in in the regular season?
5: Um, well, I think the 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 two goals that I did score there. They're not something you have too much time to think about. Um, I think that's that is a reflection of how you are as a, as a whole in terms of confidence. It's not something that you know when you're taking someone on that you think to do this trick. It's almost instinct. So you know if you're in a good frame of mind at that time in general, those sort of things you you tend to try off instinct, um, and they came off. Uh, it was nice to see. There, were, there was two two nice goals there um i was happy that i can score you know because i've been wanting to get into those you know the, the chip against um lons i wanted to get into that position more where it's sort of an almost a 1v1 one one with the keeper and you just have to finish i think theo makes those runs amazingly well and gets a lot of opportunities throughout the season like that and it's something that i wanted to try to do so i was happy first and foremost i found myself in that position and then, um it wasn't the easiest finish to try but you know those they don't come off all the time but that was nice to see that one go in and then the goal against chivas was i think as i said i'm feeling quite confident at the moment Um, and that that was just purely off instinct for me to cut back inside like that and it was nice to see that one that one end up in the net as well Um, but yeah as, as i said it's it's not something that you you think about um when you plan, when wing, you know, you sort of just assess the situation when you're in it. And it was nice to see those two things come off. Which one did you prefer if fact, to put you on the spot? Um, I don't know. I, I like the. I think the, the goal against Chivas was, I like that one because I, I think I had a little bit more to do. Um, you know, I, I had to go past two two players and then finish with my dodgy left foot, which was, which was nice to see. Um, I was happy with both of them, you know, they were were nice goals, Um, but I think the key is to do that consistently um, and not to be able to have too much of a talking point. You want to be able to reproduce those moments um, frequently or moments like that where, you know, you can just say it was almost just another day at the office. So that's what I'm working towards as well. But... If you had to ask me which one, I think the, the Chivas goal I liked a bit more. You
2: don't, really do, you don't really do tap-ins, do you? When you score, they tend to be pretty uh, good.
5: I know, that's what I mean. I think I need I need to get more of the tap-ins because that's where you score most of your goals, you know, in and around the six-yard box. That's when the, the boys that score those goals, the boys that go on to score fifth, 10 to 15 goals a season. So I need to get that in my game a little bit more and, and that comes with instinct and, you know, just being in the right place at the right time. Um, but, I mean the goals that I have scored they're nice to nice to to score as well because as you said they can be a little bit more eye catching but it's all about numbers you know and the more the more goals the better so that's what I'm working towards
2: i get the sense that you've you've got a point to prove this season is that fair
5: yeah of course um you know i i know now I'm, i've just turned 23 the other day and i need to push on now um and that's what i'm going to be looking to do i think my mindset now is just just to go for everything. You know, I've always had that, but I think now in myself, I know that um, I know what I want to do and I know what I have to do. And I'm more you know, clinical about how, how to go about that mentally. And when I get the opportunities as well, you know, you have, you have to just be almost like a, a killer um, in your approach. And I think I've as I've grown up and, I've, you know, you mature, I think now I'm in a place in my mind where I know what I need to do. and. Um, I either go and do it or I don't. It's as simple as that. Um, and I'm just focused on making sure I do it.
0: And it's Adams,
3: put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George who can hit him. Oh, look It's up for grabs now!
1: On the 1st of October 1996, a 46-year-old Arsene Wenger was appointed Arsenal manager, arriving at Highbury from Grampus 8 in Japan. Here's the boss talking about his memories of that appointment.
0: Big history, big tradition, big club and uh, big support. And uh, all that together, of course, uh, makes usually a job attractive, especially when you're a manager. And I felt as well that I could maybe bring a, a different touch to to a traditional English club, and uh, that the marriage could work. There was a lot of scepticism, don't forget it, I was uh, top of the betting list to be out uh, before uh, December, so in some way it motivated me even harder and more to uh, show the level to work here. I thought it was a team of quality uh, with a, a very short period of life, because I had eight players around 30 or over 30. I had uh, David Platt, Paul Merson was 29 already, and Ian Wright, our front, who was a major figure as well in the club, who was already 32. So it it was not easy. Wenger took charge
1: of his first game away to Blackburn Rovers on October the 12th of that year, with Ian Wright scoring twice in a 2 0 win. That's rather speculative, but Hartson made it more than that.
6: A right turn inside marker. Well, he makes it look ridiculously easy, Ian Wright. Ciara getting to it with that easy stride of his. And Wright took it on beautifully, and he had the speed to score his second, and
2: maybe Barry Blackburn
1: The boss is celebrating his 20-year anniversary at the club and in that time he's revolutionised the way that we even think about football. He's won three Premier League titles, six FA Cups and six Community Shields as well in Gunners colours. And Of course, he was awarded an OBE in the year 2003 for his services to football.
3: It's time to go
1: around the club with Max Jones. So, Arsenal Media's Max Jones joins me to go around the club, as we like to do every month here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Uh, Max, how are you? Been away, I see, looking (laughs) sun-kissed. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, i
7: been in Spain, been relaxing, but still been keeping up to date with uh, what's been going on in the academy and also the
1: ladies team as well. As we know, you do on a regular basis for us. Great stuff. We'll start with Premier League two. Not the best of starts, but some positive signs in the last few days. Yeah, it's not
7: really gone our way so far. I mean, at the moment, um, we, we sit 10th in Division One. or only above Leicester City and Derby County. However, recent weeks, we've seen Arsenal improve a lot. Steve Gatting's side of... Uh, managed to get wins against Derby County, they beat them 3-2 at the start of the month. Um, and then on Friday, before Arsenal's first team beat Chelsea in that thrilling game at the Emirates, um, our under-23s beat Chelsea on, on the Friday as well. So you know, it was a 2-1 win there, Reese Nelson really inspirational in that win. So, you know, good, hopefully, positive month ahead.
1: Okay, so away from the domestic front, we'll go European next. Of course, the UEFA Youth League campaign is underway as well, isn't it? First match done and dusted.
7: Yeah, first match was a goalless draw at PSG. Um, it's a result that you know, Christian Bielek and Chris de Gracker were delighted with. You know, they had a, a clean sheet in their first European game together as, as centre-back partnerships. So I know that when they came off the pitch, they were really, really pleased with their performance. Um, we did have a chance to win it. Uh, Chris Willock as he does left four defenders in his wake and then played it across to Daniel Marlon but unfortunately his finish this time just the wrong side of the post but yeah you know, it's really really promising already what we're seeing and hopefully we
1: can do one better than last year which would be fantastic wouldn't it and of course a big game to come this coming midweek
7: yeah Basel at home on, uh, on Wednesday they beat Ludogorets 1-0 at home in their opening game um, Pedro Pacheco actually got an injury time winner so you know, they, they were held uh, well, it's quite a close game, I should say, between them and, and the uh, Bulgarian side. Um, but we shouldn't really judge them on that game too much. In Switzerland, Basel are renowned for having a great academy. I mean, if I just read out a list of international players okay. who have come through there. Uh, Gokhan Inla, Felipe Saicedo, and Bolo, Jürgen Shakiri our very own Granit Xhaka and his brother Toulon, and perhaps most impressively, uh, Champions League winner and current Barcelona midfielder, Ivan Rakitic. Ooh. So they've they've got they've got some pretty uh, pretty impressive pedigree um, in terms of their current squad at the moment. Um, their left back is a Paraguayan 18-year-old called Blas Riveros, and uh, he's already a senior international, and he went to the Copa America as well, just 18, um, and he's expected to line up against Arsenal. Um, and then they've also got a right winger called. Neftali Manzami, who's played 13 times in this competition already. So I think he's been playing since uh, it was established a few seasons ago. um, And he scored three goals. So given how talented our squad is, I think we should be all right to get the three points. However, in those wide positions, we really, really need to make sure that our wide players are tracking back so that they can keep the likes of Riveros and also Manzami quiet.
1: Interesting. I love the way that this obviously mirrors what's going on with the men as well in terms of how it's all set up. Yeah,
7: yeah well what happens is that they, you know, the young players will play their game in the afternoon and then once that's done and dusted they go and watch the first team game. So they usually turn up at about, I don't know, half time or something watch the first team game and then they all fly back together. It's a great experience for a youngster um, and having been on those flights as well I, I know how much that they appreciate seeing all of the first team at the front of the plane. And the likes of Hector Bellerin and Alex Awobe, Jeff and Adelaide as well, when he's been with the first team, they always come to the back of the plane. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
7: And whether the youth players sit and just you know, congratulate them on a win if they've had one.
1: So it's a, it's a nice atmosphere in there. Let's now move on to the ladies then and a little update on how things are going there.
7: Yeah, well, they were knocked out of the uh, Continental Cup by Manchester City and then they were beaten by them in the league as well. But there's no shame in that. Um, Manchester City, as you may have seen yesterday, they beat Chelsea 2 0 to win the Women's Super League by quite a large margin. Um, and that, that was their first title. So I think they, in the end, they could finish almost 10 points clear of Chelsea, who were second place. Um, there are positives from this, though. Um, a record crowd of more than 4,000 fans watched Manchester City lift their first league title at the Academy Stadium. Um, and this, you know, it will be interesting to see whether. Uh, this could pave the way for more purpose-built stadiums and further funding in the game, as you know, those, those in charge would have seen how successful Manchester City have been with a, a good budget and great facilities as well. Not to say that Arsenal don't have those facilities. We do. We've got the Arsenal Ladies Hub and you know, they use the Arsenal training grounds every day. But maybe in, in terms of a stadium, it could be a benefit to have their own one. OK. Um, with two games still to go, Arsenal can still come as high as third but it does mean that we miss out on Champions League football again. Um, however, it's, we're seeing steady improvement every year from Pedro Martinez Lotus side. Um, what I was particularly impressed with this season was the international players such as um, Dominique Janssen, Vicky Lasada, and Daniel van der Donk. They've all had breakthrough campaigns, they've all looked really impressive. Um, and. The squad competition, especially in that midfield area between Dominique Janssen Farah Williams, Vicky Lasada, you know, there's so much to choose from, and they're only going to get better.
1: Okay, just to finish off, talking of exciting projects, having forward sold him twice, I mean, <laughs> fun <laughs> feeling. Who I think your player of the month, your player to watch is?
7: Surprise, surprise, Eddie Nketiah. No. Um, <laughs> he's he's a quick and clinical striker, um, and he, I, I've seen from the games that he's played this season and last season as well that. He really, really thrives when he's through one-on-one with a goalkeeper or when there's just a half chance. You know those sort of strikers that always seem to know where to be and you just know that they're going to bury the chance as well. Um, Last season he was our top scorer at under-18s level. Um, He got 24 goals in 28 games. This season he's already got seven and five, including that hat-trick against Leicester over the weekend. Um, In terms of how he's developing, uh, he's made his European debut already, as we mentioned. Um, But he's also... Started for the under-23s um, away at Everton. Unfortunately, the result didn't go our way that time, but great experience to be thrown into that sort of game against a top club like Everton, who are, I believe are second in the table at the moment. So lots of experience. Baptism of fire, if, if you will, but he's only going to get better from it. Um, and just to cap off of an excellent month for him, he also signed his first professional contract with the club a few weeks ago. Um, and I'm sure that if he continues his rapid rise up through the ranks, we'll have another hail end graduate into the first team I'm sure. Just
1: going to ask you that as we finish then, from what you've seen of him and what you've seen of other comparable players maybe in recent years as they work their way through I take it he, he ranks very highly in both regards. Yeah,
7: absolutely, I mean all the natural talents there We've spoken about the natural finishing ability that he has as well again unfortunately it comes down to the physical aspects but Arsenal have got strength and conditioning coaches who tailor these routines I guess for these players to um, be able to get stronger and while well, still retaining their burst of pace and, and things like that. So I think he's, he's in the best possible place for his development right now.
1: Very, very exciting stuff. Max, thank you very much indeed for taking us around the club. Thanks for having me again. Anders Limpa played 116 times for Arsenal in all competitions in total, scoring 20 goals between the years 1990 and 1994. Here is the Swedish international talking to Arsenal media's Nick Brumsack about the art of crossing.
4: And I mean, how did you become
7: a good crosser of the ball then? I mean, when you were growing up, was there anyone that particularly helped you or, or anything that stood out
3: at that time?
8: no because i i, I practice uh, unbelievable in in shots uh, and and crosses when i was uh, a little boy you know we had uh, a game called the uh, two touches uh-huh. uh we had the, uh, uh, you can only touch it twice yeah. you know uh, in your in your own half and then they, and we you played against the fella, yeah two 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 players and in in the uh, quite a big area with two goals so you, you know you had only um, had two touches and it's hard to explain but uh, then you had you shipped a lot you crossed the ball a lot you shot a lot you know uh, so you played first to five and then the next player come in and you stood there as a winner you know and uh, the, the game actually it's so hard to explain. it's it, it, it you had to come to the ball quick and, and ship and, and, and cross the ball into the net. Yeah. So he couldn't yeah. So uh I mean I pretty much played that from I was six to fifteen years old
3: well wow, so you kind it's
8: of called, grew up with it then it's called it's a typical swedish game called two touches
3: uh-huh.
8: and it's hard to explain you know i have to show you uh, how to do it but uh that's why i am i was really really good cross the ball or or shoot the ball or you know uh, ships and crosses and, and setups you know and stuff like that because i've been practicing that was my my best attribute i had as as a player
3: when you look back at, at your career uh, in general, not just with Arsenal, is there a
7: particular
5: cross that stands out, a particular assist?
8: Yeah. One is not the cross, but we played against Southampton away, probably Ian Wright's first game when he scored a hat-trick. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I set him up really good once, uh, I remember. I can't remember if it was a cross or anything, but uh, I felt like a good connection from the start. You know, he was so clever making runs. Uh, mm-hmm. And for me to put them in, uh, it was, it looks harder than it was actually, you know, because he was uh, such a clever run. And, and Kevin, Kevin Campbell as well, you know, Alan Smith wasn't that mobile. Uh, he was good in the air. Hmm. But uh, Kevin and, and uh, Ian, they, they made unbelievable runs, you know, so they made us winger look good, actually.
7: Did their runs then kind of
3: decide what sort of cross you, you put into the box as well?
8: Exactly, oh yeah, exactly. And then we worked in, in, in practice uh, every day, you know, how, where to put the balls in and, and where he wanted to have the runs. Uh, so uh, that's not just like one off. We're we practicing uh, those crosses and, and, and through balls, whatever you say. Uh, so uh, that was actually due to hard, hard practice.
3: How much emphasis
7: did George Graham put on that side of training?
8: Uh, not much actually, because we didn't have uh, crosses uh, and stuff like that during training. Uh, it was when uh, when players left the training that Ian Wright and I stayed staying in a couple of uh, uh, young players and a uh, young goalie. Uh, so uh, it was in my interest to you know, as as a former player, as a new player, to to. Uh, set myself into the system, so we worked really hard after practice for uh, 20, 20, 30 minutes, uh, pretty much every every practice the first six months.
1: The Chalkboard with Adrian
6: Clark well, Clarkie
1: joins me now on the chalkboard. Adrian, how are you?
6: Yeah, very well, thank you. I mean, when you've just beaten Chelsea 3-0, um, life feels good, doesn't it?
1: Most certainly does. Many a record broken, as we've been discussing over the last few minutes. Um, we'll start, though, with the man of the match from that game, and he is the subject of our weekly chalkboard question. Is Alex Iwobi the first name on the Arsenal team sheet at the
6: moment? Well, I think anyone could have been man of the match in that particular game, but he, he was excellent and he has been in recent weeks. I would say that he's not the first name on the team sheet, but he can't be far off Alex Iwobi. He is improving the side, no end. Technically, he had something, he looks after the ball beautifully. His positioning is just so clever in the way that he just drifts into holes on the inside. So he's, he's nominally playing on the left, but he's confusing defenders by dropping into little pockets in field. They don't, no one knows who to pick him up. Uh, and yeah, I, I really, really like him as a player. He travels with the ball beautifully. And I think that Alex Iwobi's form is almost forcing the manager to use Alexis up top. Alexis is doing brilliantly as a striker but there's no way I think that, that he can leave Alex Iwobi out of the side at the moment. So it's, it's carry on as you were and, and he's in there on merit, he's doing brilliantly.
1: And for someone who's obviously been highly rated throughout his entire Arsenal career but probably wasn't the standout star necessarily from the youth group that came through, mm. he's someone who really has blossomed and bloomed and, and I guess confidence is a fair bit but he's got so many different tools hasn't he?
6: Yeah I think you never know with a young player until you thrust them into the limelight how they're going to handle it and what I like about him is that he is calm Burnley next weekend it's two banks of four and, and, and they will be compact defend deeply and, and look to hit teams on the break everybody knows the system but are they good enough to score the goals you need to survive in the top flight that's what I, that's what I would say and I got I've got to confess that even though it's at Turf Moor Arsenal are huge favorites
1: And obviously when they had their big win of the season, their marquee win against Liverpool earlier in the campaign, Adrian, it was a 2-0 win where I think Burnley had around 20% possession and territory. Two shots, which obviously they scored from both, and got that job done. Will they instill and employ a similar tactic? Well, if they
6: do, it's good news for Arsenal. I don't think it's sustainable to have so little of the ball and to withstand so much pressure. Liverpool fell into the trap that day. They didn't move the ball quickly enough. They didn't use the flanks well enough, and they just, yeah, they they were going nowhere. And Burnley just soaked up attack after attack and made them pay. What they did in that game, though, Burnley—they pressed higher up the pitch at times. They Turned the ball over and made it count. They haven't been doing that since. I think with Burnley, you think of them being really combative, hard-working, and they, they do work very, very hard. They're the lowest tacklers in the Premier League this season. They're not putting themselves about in the way that Sean Dyche would want them to so if, if you don't have much of the ball you've got to be aggressive and I think they haven't quite got that mix right yet
1: I saw them lose at Chelsea a few weeks ago where they were almost too attacking and went for it and left themselves open effectively and didn't have the players to cope necessarily mm. with that kind of approach so yeah it'll be fascinating to see won't it um, we know that Andre Gray won't be playing for a few weeks um, who do we think will be one or two of the key players to watch out for
6: well Sam Vokes will come in and he's a good player in the air he is someone that will go. On the end of crosses, if we allow Burnley to deliver balls into the box. So he needs to be watched. Um, Stephen DeFour, I think, is a. Good new signing, actually. He's got a bit of everything. He will put his foot in. He will break forward at pace. And he's got that quality I was talking about. Experience he's, as well. Yeah, he's, he's got big match pedigree. He's, he's done the business in European football. He's played played in European competitions. And, yeah, he is the one player that's maybe more likely than any other to score from distance or to open up the defence. So, so he's someone to definitely keep an eye on.
1: And they've got a good young keeper we should add as well in Keaton.
6: Yeah, I think he is, yeah. He's, he's in the England record and, um, well, the way it's going, he's going to get a lot of practice this season, so I'm sure he'll be catching Sam uh, Sam Allardyce's eye.
1: So the two classic questions. Mm. First of all, your key head-to-head. Key
6: head-to-head. Well, I see Burnley's weakness, actually, in the full-back department. I think they've really struggled in that area. Uh, Matt Loughton at right-back and uh, Stephen Ward at left-back. Um, Theo Walcott's in form. He's playing ever so well and Arsenal are looking to slide him in at every opportunity. So Walcott v Ward is my Duel to watch. I think based on current form, Theo should get the better of them. Burnley have conceded the most crosses in the Premier League this season. So slide those balls in behind. Theo across the face of goal. Hopefully, we'll have a field day. Yeah,
1: Selling Kieran Trippier was one of their key losses for me over Mm. when they went down Mm. again. He was brilliant in that sort of general role, wasn't he? Mm. Uh, And just finally, how do you beat Burnley?
6: Um, You beat Burnley by not um, taking them... Easy, you know, not taking them for granted, not taking the victory for granted. But the bottom line is with teams like Burnley, you move the ball quickly, your talent should help you prevail. It's all about passing and moving at pace. If we do that, we'll win the game.
1: Well, talking of talent that prevails, look who's coming into the studio. It is Arsenal <laughs> weekly <laughs> podcast producer. It's Liam Roberts.
6: Uber Liam. talented.
1: I've been here all the time. It's, uh,
4: <laughs> I've come to see how the magic happens, because I wasn't sure.
6: I really wasn't sure how it happened. disappointed or impressed? I'm in awe. That's he looks underwhelmed to me. <laughs>
1: uh, I would concur. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, you're here to help bring us up to date with our weekly competition. Indeed.
4: So, uh, last week we asked Bookings. We thought there'd be a stack of them, and there wasn't. There was only two, which uh, surprised, I think, everyone. Adrian, you thought there'd be a lot. You went for seven. Russ, you went for six because you're playing the dark tactics at the moment.
6: Oh the, uh, the, yeah, and you won. It was yes, a terrible so. guess, wasn't it? It was an absolutely <laughs> awful <laughs> guess. As bad as my guess the week before, <laughs> it was horrendous. <laughs> well, look, okay, maybe it's not the Chelsea. It's not the Arsenal Chelsea thing. It's maybe the Arsenal v Mourinho thing. Where maybe against Manchester United we can expect seven <laughs> bookings, but but this particular Chelsea were pretty tame, weren't
4: they? Yes, that's three two to us. Um, I'm not liking the games from shift at the moment. I think it's a bit too negative. Mm. So we're going to go for a prediction this week that might open up a bit more. I don't think either of you can go, can kind of play off the other one. So we're going to go, well, which player on the pitch from Arsenal will have the most touches in the game? Which so player? I, yeah, so I think it was uh, Adrian, Adrian first last week. So, Russ?
6: That's a fantastic question.
4: Not happy about this.
1: This is a very, very
6: good <laughs> question. So, so we change the rules when Russ goes first, so I don't get the advantage. <laughs> is, is this how it works? I think okay. you've
4: played, you have played that card once this season. I know no. Russ has done it twice, but... Uh,
6: I wonder
1: whether it's going to be... I'm going to go Santi, I'm going to go Cthorla. Deep midfield, a few nice little touches, jinking the ball through after a run.
4: The look on Adrian's face suggests that he was going to say that. Yeah, I'm (laughs)
6: disappointed. Um, But, for us, Coquelin is injured. And Granite Xhaka, whenever he's been on the pitch, has dominated. He wants the ball at every opportunity. I think it'd be close between Xhaka and Kazola, but so, so it's a no brainer for me. I have to go for Granite, but I might have gone for Santi, but I'm going to go for Granite Xhaka.
4: Okay, so if either of you are right, and again, I don't think this is ever going to happen, it will be three points. It might open it up. If neither of you are right, which I'm pretty sure
1: might happen, it'll be the closest one after that. So. Bring it on. Bring it on. Don't forget you can catch Adrian presenting the Matchday show this coming Sunday on arsenal.com, and that's from 4pm ahead of that showdown against the Clarets. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, to Anders Limpar, Nick Bromsack, Max Jones, and of course to Adrian Clark as well. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes, leaving us a five star review in the process. Clearly, you can also find us on Acast as well, so that you never have the chance to miss another episode. We're back on Monday, the 3rd of October, and until then, it's bye for now, and come on, you gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast.